0: Welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hey, everybody. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing great. Doing good. happy to be here today. Yeah, me too. It's been a while since we've been able to podcast. It
1: has.
2: It has. Yeah, Jason's redone his basement. Yes,
1: which we're currently sitting
0: in, so if we sound different, that's why. Yeah, we'll have to adjust everything eventually. Yeah. Cool. I've been on a little vacation we'll talk about it in a minute. All right. Uh, you may have seen that. In a, Yeah, I, I threw some stuff up on the socials yeah, for everybody, yeah. some film-related content. Uh, but first, right out of the gate, I want to give another shout-out. We did one last time. I'm going to do one again. Mm-hmm. This time to a podcast called Unsung Horrors. Yeah. Uh, they're a very interesting show, and they were kind enough to interact with us a bit. They've reshared some of our episodes... I've taken some time to check them out. I think you guys have mm-hmm. dug them. Listen, there. Jump, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I've dug it. I like it. Um, their whole premise is looking for like rarely seen hidden gems of horror. Um, they're very into letterbox, which is cool, and they're actually using it as like an algorithm to kind of guide their show. Yeah. Uh, with the pro account, you can see the number of times people have logged views on a film, and so their criteria for everything that they select is anything that's under it's a thousand views. I believe so. Yeah.
1: And and. As a fan of obscure horror, I got to say, I don't know a lot of the movies they've covered. So it's it's really cool to go in there and say, oh, I didn't even know this existed. Cool. I also
2: really love their approach to it as well. It's actually a pretty scholarly approach, Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't always want to hear somebody ripping on a movie that nobody's (laughs) seen. (laughs) Right. I want to hear somebody legitimately Um. dive into the film and talk about, like, okay, maybe why hasn't this film been seen? Right.
0: And the hosts, uh, Lance and Erica. They very much take that kind of route that we like to do where you know you do get into the film. If you don't like it, you're still talking about like what was interesting, what, yeah. what did this that was something cool. something good yeah. from everything. There's something cool to dig up. Yeah. Um, my watch list has exploded since I started <laughs> yeah. listening to it. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of great stuff. So if you want to be a cool horror nerd and get those deep cuts, definitely check them out. They're also uh, collectors just like me. They talk a lot about Blu-rays. So, you know, if you finish one of our shows and you're not quite tipsy enough yet, hop over there. They're going to get you across the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) For how many blues they have. (laughs) Maybe uh, they'll
2: adopt your saying of I've got got the the blue. blue. Probably not. I wish
0: I could start that hashtag, I've got the blue. Yeah, people just respond back with hashtag douchebag. (laughs) 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 Uh, But yeah, Unsung Horrors, look them up, check them out. If you somehow found us and haven't found them yet, I guarantee you're going to love them too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Go get them a listen. All right. All right.
2: Uh, what we watched this week. What did you watch, Jason?
0: Me? Well, I find... Other than paint drying. Other
2: than
1: paint drying, and yeah. It's been a... Ooh, boy. It's been a long couple weeks. Anyway. Um, I finally watched Tenet. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Christopher Nolan.
0: I still need to. Yeah, I haven't
2: seen it yet, either.
1: Yes. And for some reason, you know, I was kind of going in against this movie. I am too. I don't. I don't know why exactly. I don't, I know, know, why. I don't know if it's Nolan backlash because I mean, I got a lot got, of people I, did right. Yeah. yeah, and I think I, even I said something in one of our previous pods about how his comments about cinema and how movies should be seen in a the theater. And I'm yeah. like, well, he's out of touch. You know, when does he go to the theater? And it's not a red carpet event or his I own agree. private theater. I yeah. Agree. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you know, we're screw him, pompous filmmaker. Get know. off my lawn. <laughs> 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 even though I've loved like almost everything he's done. Um, so I'm like, well, I'll check this out. This, oh man, I loved it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, it's good. It it's is good. so good. Shit, Those, the first ten minutes. I mean, it just drags you right in, and it it's so well done. The score is amazing. The acting is great.
2: It's, what is his name? Isaiah Washington. Oh it's no, Stenzel Washington's son. Don't right?
1: put me on the spot.
2: He hasn't. He hasn't done a lot, has he? Yeah, he did. Um... Oh, the KKK movie. Um, oh, right, right, right. Doc, what was the name of that movie? God, I'm so I unprepared. am
0: blanking. I don't know why. also
2: had um, Adam Driver in it. It was not Black, Black Klansman.
1: Klansman. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Black Klansman. Yes, yes, yes. I, yes. Love I haven't that seen movie. that. That was an excellent film. It was so great. Uh, other <laughs> oh, hosts. Yeah, John John David Washington. Yes. He's, I, he's great. Isaiah Washington somebody else. Yeah, that's something else. I didn't yeah. think that was right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: also, our pet in there. Yeah, Robert
1: Pattinson, who was another actor who I used to loathe, and have now come around to admitting that he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, Damn, it, good.
0: It's time to let go of Twilight. Yeah, it no, doesn't,
1: that doesn't It's like DiCaprio yeah. and Romeo and Juliet, or mm-hmm. Titanic. Forget about it. It doesn't matter anymore. But yeah, this guy is the real deal.
2: He steals this movie. I watched an interview with Pattinson where he said something like he was tired of doing anything that would maybe be normal and mm-hmm. he told his agent he's like i only want to do weird shit from now on well yeah and he's like that's all i want to do is i want to do weird stuff and yeah. his agent's like that's going to be career suicide he's like i don't care yeah it's just what i want to it's do it's much more interesting and um, when awesome. you see
0: his work now you're like fuck this guy's good yeah, he's, <laughs> he's really good, good. He's great and i'm just gonna throw it out i think he's gonna kill it as batman i'm excited to see that yeah i think he'll be good the
1: final result is yet to be seen we shall see mm-hmm but, uh, I mean, Tenet, it, it has some of the problems that Nolan's movies sometimes have. There's some superfluous scenes. It's a bit too long. But, uh, man, it's, it's good. It's I'll great. I'll have to get to it. Oh, and Kenneth Branagh, who I didn't even know was in it, is also he also steals every scene he's in. Well, yeah, he, he's, he's awesome. He plays this horrible Russian arms dealer nice and it's just yeah really cold menacing performance
2: you know how i sent you guys that link to um david lynch yelling at the producer girl about how long a scene is yeah yeah. i want jason to tell david lynch that his movies are too long (laughs) uh i I would not do that to david lynch because jason's always like it's a little too long
1: (laughs) well all movies are a little too long and that might be something we explored today maybe
2: that might be something that you need to work through I think this sounds like your problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> When it's a good, engaging movie all the way through, uh, listen, I don't my, have a problem with it. My,
0: my favorite movie is four hours long, so... I'm so
2: glad I wasn't in film club for that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you say that like I'm not going to make it be an what episode of, on the what show. Of my <laughs>
2: biggest, one of my biggest fears is that Dustin's going to show up and be like, uh, today we're going to watch Love Exposure, and I'm but, like, no,
3: I
1: have to go. <laughs> but you know what? I was never bored during Love Exposure. I wasn't mm-hmm. looking at the time. I was
0: engaged all the way through, even though
1: it's so like So you're four saying
0: in intended at times it didn't engage you? Ah.
1: <sighs> A couple of times, mm. there were a couple of scenes I was like, this could be removed. Mm-hmm. This is superfluous. There's a lot of like, go meet this person to go meet this person to go meet that person.
0: You mean world building? <laughs> uh,
1: no, I mean, it's, it's basically the James Bond movie that Nolan's always wanted to make. It looked mm. like it from the trailer. You know, yeah. and, and someone needs to give him a Bond movie stat. But I mean, if, if they don't, he's made it. You know, he's made his, and that's what this is. So awesome. But I, I
2: heartily recommend it. It's it's great. I think I'm with you though. I was kinda of put off by it because when the arguments came out about cinema versus streaming and Nolan said some things that were just straight up jackassy about it, and so I was like, "Come on, dude! It's a little elitist in some ways." Yeah, I, mean,
1: I get it. Everyone wants to see the movie up on the big screen. Well, and I-, I would love to go to the theater more often if it was a good presentation, but normally it's not.
2: And there's and there's a whole lot of people who talk about the fact that it's Nolan's fault that it killed the cinema during the pandemic because Nolan pushed so hard to put Tenet up on the screens. Yeah. And nobody went right because nobody the was comfortable wants to get sick and die. Yeah, mm. nobody was comfortable with that. It's nobody... a great movie.
1: It's not that fucking good. Yeah, <laughs> nobody
2: went, and everybody's like, "If you would have just let us hold off on the goddamn thing," but yeah.
0: that's really why I've not seen it because I I do want to see this in a theater, and I just couldn't justify going at the time. The little window it was actually in there, and so I missed it. And now it's just always kind of on the back burner. Like, oh yeah, I do need to watch that. Oh, I got to do all this stuff now. I got to see about that. Yeah. I think about
2: that too. Like, I'll be streaming through, flipping through HBO Max, and I'm well, like, "Oh, there's Tenet. I should watch that." Get around
1: to watching it sometime.
0: I want to. Yeah. How about you, Michael? What'd you watch? What you got? Um, or do you want to be the segue? Because I'll I know, be the segue. Segway? Okay. Segway? okay. Yeah. I have a bunch of shit to talk about, and I'm going to try to rapid fire. Wait a minute. We're supposed to pick like one movie. He's
2: unconventional. He follows no rules. He
0: is greedy. I make the rules, and then I break them. Do you see how that happens? (laughs) It's just like when we play Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: I cast Fireball into the entire room, but I'm immune to fire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) More like, I think everyone should have one feet for free at first level.
3: Yeah. He got his Uh, way. (laughs) (laughs) He won his argument.
0: All right, anyway. Okay, so uh, (laughs) part of what I like about going on vacation, we went out to Washington State. Uh, Tiffany has this whole thing about wanting to try to see all the national parks. Cool, which is super cool, super fun. Uh, I get in a lot of movies on the way because the invariably you watch something on the flight, you end up in a hotel, stuck for a while, nothing to do. So, I watched a lot of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Don't you just watch porn in the hotel like
0: everybody else does? That costs money. Oh, no, it doesn't. You don't know <laughs> how to use the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, on my flight, on the way there, I checked out The Invisible Man, the new one by mm. Lee Winnell. Have you okay, guys, have you guys seen this? I have not seen it. No, I uh, fucking hated it. Sorry to say. Um, so you're not endorsing it. I think people should see it because it is interesting. Their choices. My problem is just that I am like a diehard classic Universal oh, fan. Fuck yeah! And this film, like, it's got none of those elements of like what was the Invisible Man. It's a completely new take on it, mm-hmm. and it's a cool idea. But it was it was very slow and very mm, it was. It just didn't land for me right. Right. I know for a lot of people, it's probably going to be excellent, and I did see it get a lot of praise. I love Lee Whannell. I think he's a great uh, creator. I've loved everything else that he's done.
1: No, I haven't seen the movie, but it strikes me as being like if they had made a remake of Dracula, but focused on a bad relationship relationship between um, Jonathan and Mina or something like
0: that. Kind of, Yeah. <laughs> And they lose something in the fact that, like you know, what I think's neat about the Invisible Man, and it's there's been a woman in the role before too. You know, there was the Invisible Woman. Sure. Usually, it's a person, and it's some sort of science experiment. And, and there then, was like the girl in
1: the invisible bikini. That's
0: oh yeah. That's, I mean, spun nothing, off that nothing kind of okay, idea. Sorry. similar. Um, <laughs>
2: I, I need to like a soundbite for dead stare. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
0: always there's this whole process of like. Uh, their mental state and it kind of like something is wrong with it or they're deteriorating. They start to lose their mind because they don't know if they're going to turn back right. normal again. Um, and there's none of that in this. Cause like the guy who is the invisible man is the villain the whole time. He's just this terrible douchebag, bag mm-hmm. and it's all like modernized to be technology. It's like this suit he puts on with cameras oh, that like scans the surroundings and like mirrors it. So he's can- predator. He's yeah. predator. And it just never plays right to me, and then I start. A to, plasma cannon. I start to question it because they set up this whole scene where um, there is a good story in here about like uh, you know like a battered woman in a bad relationship and getting out of that and having the strength to go on. That part is all great, and you could have just done that as a drama, and it would be awesome.
1: <laughs> a predator meets a lifetime movie. But then the invisible man <laughs> part just doesn't
0: work. Like he gets her committed into an insane asylum because they you know sure thinks she's crazy right. And then they set up that there's going to be a storm, and she manages to break out. And I think, like, oh, this is going to be a cool moment where, like, because of the rain, she'll be able to see him. Yeah. And it'll be this first confrontation. Nope. He's perfectly invisible still. Oh. Even though, like, in earlier moments, like, she splashes paint on him, and you can see him. Or yeah. Or he, he, like, walks through something, and you can see his Why footprints. Why would the rain? Even Claude Rains talks about he has to avoid the rain. Yeah, it is. Because like, a bubble around yeah. him. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I'm nitpicking, but yeah, yeah, probably whatever. Probably um, I just a-
2: don't see the point uh, I don't see the point of remaking them to make money well yeah, yeah. <laughs> but artistically <laughs> I don't see it's the like point it's like the remake of The
1: Mummy the last one it has it's not even remotely anything like the old Karloff film You know,
0: I liked that one
1: uh, I hadn't seen it it's so very I really, I really can't say and anything
0: I, at least it feels like it's trying to be loyal yeah, to it's the it's got concept. Tom Cruise in it I'm not gonna watch it So Sophia Patel <laughs> is awesome in it as The the Mummy yeah
3: I mean, she's a good actress yeah
0: Uh, hanging out in a hotel randomly, killing time, after one of the days we were hitting the National Park, I caught on, uh, Turner Classic Movies, Possessed, from 1947. You guys ever seen this? Uh, no. Refresh my memory. Uh, it stars Joan Crawford. Uh, she plays a woman that gets found wandering the streets of Los Angeles, and she can't remember what's going on. Uh, doctor brings her in, and she tells this story about what happened to her. And it's not, it's kinda horror-ish, but it's more of, like, I would say a thriller
2: who directed that
0: one? Uh, Curtis Bernhardt.
1: Huh. I haven't seen that. No. It was
0: actually just real life. Joan Crawford was just lost <laughs> in the streets. <laughs> wow. No, but it, it was really, really good and very noir, and uh, I was impressed by it. And cool. It was kind of just an accidental watch. There was nothing else on. Huh. Uh, that's cool. While we were on vacation, we managed to hit the theater to see The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Mm-hmm. Always a lot of mixed opinions about that franchise. I think it's great. We need, like, big-budget horror to keep... Keep it out there in I the love public. the first two. I love the first two. I like some of the Annabelle films. This new one, mm hate to keep being negative, but I did not like it at all. It really struck me bad. I tried watching it, and honestly, I made it half an hour, and I stopped it. I liked it. So what <laughs> did you like about it? Because I've been dying to ask you. Is this your movie?
1: Have we segued into your movie? No, 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 not really.
2: oh, okay. Um, I love the relationship between mm-hmm. the Warrens. Like, that kind of is what sells me mm-hmm. on the 'cause Because I don't really care that much about the scares. Because, I mean, they're fine. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's the relationship of the Warrens. And I think this one really explored the relationship of the Warrens a lot more. It was more about that, I think, than anything else. And I don't know. I mean, I see faults in it. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect by any means. And I would still say that I prefer the first two over it. But I didn't dislike this one at all. I also... um Like the fact that one of the things that got me is where I struggle with the religion and state kind of thing. I Mm -hmm. love the aspect of saying that you make someone swear in on a Bible before they go into trial saying that, so help me God. So you're acknowledging the presence of God, Mm -hmm. the existence of God, yet you won't allow a defense of saying the devil made me do it. And that when, was a great scene when he delivers that line. It's it's a great scene because when you punch holes in that, you're like, well, yeah, it's true. Because if you acknowledge the existence of God, you have to yeah. acknowledge the existence of Satan in the Bible the and, and possession, which is also in the Bible. So you have to acknowledge that. You can't just be like, well, that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that's most of what happens in Christianity. But that's
0: fine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <I> <laughs> that doesn't count. No, no,
0: no. You can't use that I one. Just, like, I would have liked more of the courtroom drama part of it, I think. They really stray from that to go into this other thing with like the the uh satanist that's opposing them yeah that whole plot is like very weak to me a little bit oh but i fucking love the actor that's her dad he's a good actor but just they set him up and then like oh his daughter's a satanist and they try to tie it in with the fucking cult of the ram from was it the first annabelle i think that felt forced that no one wants to remember yeah that (laughs) felt forced the cult of the ram Uh, it
1: kind of reminds me of exorcism of emily rose the whole court room Mm -hmm. drama thing. I wanted wanted
0: more of that part.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. There wasn't a lot of that. Uh, There was gratuitous Blondie, though, and I dug that, (laughs) because, God, I fucking love Blondie. Blondie's great. Uh,
0: There were moments I thought were really well executed. The actual murder scene, how they frame it all with the music Mm -hmm. and how overwhelming he feels in that moment, that was really well done. Uh, There's stuff to love there. It just didn't land for me right. (laughs) Uh, I would have liked to have seen what James Wan would have done, not to shit on uh, Chavez that directed it. Um, have you guys seen his other movie that he did the, La Llorona yeah have you seen that I haven't no. seen it no also pretty weak I tried to uh, watch hate, The Nun I and I hated
1: what I saw that so I kind of abandoned the whole Conjuring verse
2: whatever it is
0: yeah they're having problems I think with the spin-offs a little bit yeah they should the land. probably just
2: not do that uh, just, <laughs> just, just honestly just give me the Warrens. that's all I want to see because mm-hmm. I I can never pronounce her name Vera
0: Vera Farminga. yep I love her the amazing actress
1: She's love great. Patrick Wilson you ever watch Bates Motel Oh man, no. she's so good in that. She's great.
0: But that's just what I want to see. Like I want to see those two yeah. interacting because it's yeah. what I love. Uh, Flight back caught some more films. <laughs> Finally watched Knives Out at Jason's oh, insistence. Oh my god! Let's not go deep on it. Uh, I'm not a big Ryan Johnson fan. You are. It's cool. We respect each other. Uh,
1: didn't. I, care. I'm not a Ryan Johnson fan. I like most of his (laughs) 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 movies. I'm not a fan fan of Ryan Johnson, but I do enjoy most of his movies.
0: Uh, Didn't care for it. Had a lot of problems. We'll save that for another day. We'll say I I love Daniel Craig talking like Foghorn Leghorn through half the movie. (laughs) Uh, He was great. He gave an amazing performance. Everyone gives an
1: amazing performance in that movie. You Mm. cannot deny the cast. It's a great fucking cast.
0: Some might say underutilized, perhaps. I fucking love Don Johnson in that. Oh, movie. he's great! He's great. <laughs> I love Don Jamie Johnson. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, they're I mean, great. Come on. And then uh, you know it's weird because we flew with Delta. And I don't want to get deep into this, I guess, but Uh-oh. the last time I'm we got a lawsuit from Delta. What last you time we ever <laughs> flew with them, they had this awesome selection of films and like all these crazy foreign films and stuff. Like you, it, it is shown in like a film festival, but then like it wasn't anywhere streaming. I was like, whoa. That's all cool. this stuff. And then this time it was like uh, picked over Redbox, kind of. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Before it was like, sir, you're going to have yeah. to
0: leave the plane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm watching these. Uh, so the last one I checked out was Searching from 2018. Oh, yeah. The yeah. found footage movie I with to watch uh, John Cho in the lead. No, you liked it, right? I actually loved it quite a bit, yeah. Nice. It's not quite a horror film. It's much more of like a drama thriller, I would say. Mm-hmm. But they do the found footage angle really well, and it's very emotional and very well executed. Cool yeah, circle back to that. Check it out maybe if you've never seen yeah, it. Yeah, I was meant to. I kept
1: forgetting the name of it. It was my problem. Mm-hmm. I kept forgetting what it was called.
2: Searching just the title of it kind of makes me think of uh, like it's a, that. It's a weak title. Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't like Ryan Reynolds in that <laughs> yes. one or something kind of makes me think of that.
0: Uh, and you know, I thought it had... <laughs> Jason looks so confused. He's like, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> I about. I really don't. I thought it had a really good construction of what goes on. Because it is like, you know, a father searching for his missing daughter. And uh. they explore all those avenues of like, well, did she have a drug problem? Maybe. Did she run away with someone? Was she abducted? Was she murdered? And they really go down all those avenues well. And then the truth of it is this weirder thing. And it's a good twist. I think it parallels real life well. Because often the truth is stranger than fiction. If only there were a movie
2: that was called that, too.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's my super shot through all the stuff I've been watching recently. Okay. Uh, do also, real quick, want to give a <laughs> shout-out to Benny Loves You, which you and I watched. Oh, yeah. Night. That was fun. Uh, that really was fun, fun killer doll movie. Yeah, British.
2: I wanted to see that one, yeah. I like the marketing. Oh, part. my God. It is
0: so much fun. That's pretty good. If yeah. you love killer dolls, killer puppets, any of that stuff, it is a must-see. Mm-hmm. I want to watch that Go one. Go check it out.
2: Yeah. Okay, so mine... Started. I mean, I've watched quite a few things. I won't break the rules like Dustin did. Oh, no, because um, we follow the rules. Yeah, we are, we're <laughs> rule followers. After I watched Under the Silver Lake, which is the film for this mm-hmm. week, um, I kind of got like into this whole like um, conspiracy theory, like Hollywood subculture yes. kind of vibe. And then Dustin's also been bugging the shit out of me to watch um, <laughs> one of these movies for a long time. So I finally watched my real first David Lynch film and I watched Mulholland Drive
1: mm. yes um, when you say real David Lynch what David Lynch have you seen I'd Curtis? only
2: seen Dune before and I don't count that because <laughs> <laughs> that's not really his I mean like he's doing it and it's got elements of him he in was it. a hired gun for it yeah right? it's got elements of David Lynch in it but it's not like the weird fucking David Lynch shit that all of his other stuff is it's not him off the chain just doing his thing yeah so I although I do like that movie <clears throat> I like aspects of Mulholland Drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I like it as a whole, mm. but I'm also not sure. I'm not sure that David Lynch is for me. Ooh, you know, okay. like he's not for everyone. Yeah, I, mean, that's def- not like, I definitely agree with that's that. That's
1: not like an elitist thing. It's like, oh, you just don't get it. No, no he, it's I literally just, not for everyone. It's
2: just his style. I don't think is something I tr- I, I like. I see his style and I appreciate it, and like. I think that he has really done a fantastic job in his career of establishing what is his vision and what he wants to put on camera. And he does that no Mm -hmm. matter what. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if like a hundred people tell him, you can't put that on camera. It's going to (laughs) happen. He's a a true auteur. So I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But I'm just not sure that that's where I want to spend my time watching films. Mm -hmm. You know, We've talked that you think that Mulholland, Jason thinks that Mulholland Drive was not the best choice for my first one to see. Yeah, I agree. Because Mulholland Drive is super out there. Like, it's yeah. very disjointed um, on purpose because mm. the film revolves around an amnesiac. So, you're, I think I'm supposed to be feeling as confused as right. the main character. It's, all,
0: it's a mystery that you, the viewer, are also being placed in.
2: Yeah. And he does that in several of his films. And so I appreciate it. I'm not saying that I think it's bad. Mm. I think that I can certainly see why people really do like David Lynch. I'm just not sure that Tease my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I still think you should, you should watch Blue Velvet at some point. Though. I do want to watch more because I mm. I think that every probably almost every artist has got something that I would like. And a racer head, but this one was just kind of like <laughs> because this one fell in the same realm mm-hmm. of under the Silver Lake topic. I was like, okay, well, I'm still in the mood for that. So I'm let's, sure you
0: could see the inspiration.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Like it's it's very clear to me the inspiration came a lot from that.
0: So. I'm happy I watched it. Yeah. I definitely think he is truly on his own wavelength. And I think for some people, like they can kind of vibe to that and get along with it. But I don't know if any of us are really on that exact same line that he's on.
2: No, a lot of Lynch's stuff feels like art school projects to me. Mm-hmm. And that's just never been for me. Right. And I, it actually touches a lot in that in Under the Silver Lake. Like these avant-garde art right, projects. pretentiousness of it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Know if I belong here, kind of a thing. (laughs) Everybody else is enjoying the wine and the cheese selection and watching the art project happen, and I'm like, "You guys got any PBR back there?" (laughs) So maybe that's just not for me. But I'm happy that I watched it. I basically broken my lynch cherry killer. We'll get you to some more (sighs) phrasing. (laughs) No, it was meant that way. Uh, It was meant to uh, make me uncomfortable. Okay, Okay. probably made all the
1: listeners uncomfortable. Yeah, I usually do. You're welcome. Okay, nice.
0: Alright, so today we are talking about Under the Silver Lake from 2018, directed by David Robert Mitchell. Horror fans are going to recognize him. His first big feature was It Follows, which I totally dig. Very excellent film. I think we all love it here. Great movie. Even I have the blue of that one. That's like a triple shot or something. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But again, it's one of those movies I really haven't revisited very much. Yeah, that's true. I it has strong. that atmosphere that's just... It's so hard to recapture after the first time you've seen it. Anyway, sorry.
0: And if you're rolling from It Follows to this film, it's going to be a curious departure because it's definitely not a traditional horror film in any sense. No. It is much more of like a crime drama, like neo-noir mystery sort of thing. Yeah. Very Lynchian. Right off the gate, that's the first thing you can say about it. Um, you can say that about it. Jason just looks so <laughs> mad. And let me just give a synopsis <laughs> real quick before we start digging into it. So... Uh, Sam is a disenchanted 33-year-old who discovers a mysterious woman, Sarah, frolicking in his apartment swimming pool. When she vanishes, Sam embarks on a surreal quest across Los Angeles to decode the secret behind her disappearance, leading him into the murkiest depths of mystery, scandal, and conspiracy in the City of Angels. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I must have made a face because Michael's laughing at me.
2: <laughs> it was the lack of face you made. I just I could see it. You're like, great. <laughs> mm-hmm. cool, uh, so
0: cool, cool. You know, top level. We talked about the director. The score is done by Disasterpiece. Okay,
1: I want to say this. The score is fucking amazing. It's great. And this is something I would actually. I don't even like. It, it's such a throwback to the old Hollywood. Yes. Scores. Yeah. It's, it's great. This is something I would buy on vinyl.
0: And Disasterpiece worked on It Follows, right. so it's the yeah. same you know partnership they're carrying on. Uh. We've already set up that this does get into heavy, like, conspiracy and weirdness. And the film actually had a cryptography consultant. That's super cool. Who was uh, Kevin Knight. He's a computer scientist. And in 2011, he co-created a program to translate the uh, Copiola Cipher, I think is how it's pronounced. Oh, yeah. I saw that online. Guess this is as good as mine. So he is, like, a guy steeped in this stuff. And they actually consulted with him for the film in constructing everything. So, essentially, we see, starting off, Sam... Sam is kind of like
2: just—I think when they call it a disenfranchised, I don't know. Sam just seems kind of like a douche, kind of a guy that's slacker.
1: Slacker is where it comes to me. Slacker, dude, bro. But he's got some really cool movie posters hanging up on his wall. He
2: but does. He kind of—we don't really get a lot of background <laughs> as to why, like, why Sam lives in LA. It doesn't particularly say like that
0: he was—I think he was a musician. Throughout the film, you get hints that he came there to do something, probably yeah. artistic.
2: Yeah, we see him play guitar
0: a few times. He plays guitar. I thought maybe a musician, maybe he aspired to be an actor.
1: Like so many people who go to L.A. to seek right. fame and fortune.
0: But we
2: see right off the bat that this uh, girl shows up to his apartment and she brings sushi because she's like, I was just in town for an audition and, mm-hmm. and I thought you might like some sushi. And it immediately leads to them having sex. But it's like the weirdest sex. It's completely dispassionate. Yeah, they're and. just they're like, like watching TV, watching and... the news. And it's we're getting some exposition from the news <laughs> while they're
0: having sex. And it's just this weird like, yeah, there's no Which, uh, Sam's played by Andrew Garfield. And if you happen to be a fan Probably want to check out the sex scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you get a lot of butt. Yeah. A lot of Andrew Garfield butt. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider
2: Man butt. <laughs> yeah. Second podcast in a row we've talked about dudes' butts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. We watch a lot of naked butts. And you know a random connect.
1: I just think it doesn't bother me. I'm not no. offended by I'm not that. Either. I'm cool I mean, it either. You good got butt. something against that, Mike? No, as it long as it's,
2: it's a good butt. Andrew <laughs> Garfield has a good oh, butt. Oh, so you have everything against bad butts. <laughs> He's a good looking dude.
1: No? I don't what have time saying? for bad butts. <laughs> <laughs> I need to
0: choose my butts wisely. Yeah, well said. Um, but their relationship and the way it's so, like, there's this disinterest between them, but she keeps coming around and. She's clearly interested in she's him. She's interested in him. It made me think of the fifth chord. And. Uh, Andrea build and the girlfriend yeah, that he has, yeah, yeah, that's just kind of like a side piece, and he's always worried about someone
1: else. But there was more chemistry between the two. I, I like this relationship. I thought forever that that he, she was a paid escort type situation. <laughs> that's what I thought it was.
2: In reality, I think they're they're just fuck buddies. Mm-hmm. They're, but she's clearly has more interest in him. And the thing is, what's really frustrating is Sam is almost likable. Yeah, Sam is kind of like that nonchalant, cool dude that. Um, you know, is always kind of scruffy, a little bit of a slacker, but you kind of like him. Like, but, I I of disagree with
1: that. I, I never really liked him. And well, I don't. I don't need to like the protagonist yeah. of a movie to enjoy it, but I don't think he's someone I would really want to hang around with.
2: Well, I I agree with you because as the film delves into it, mm-hmm. I, I hate him. I hate him as we go <laughs> along. But I want from, this
1: Creature from the Black Lagoon poster, but other than yeah. that, but
2: as from the initial scenes, I'm like, well, I could see this. Like, he's kind of a kind of an aloof dude so you know maybe he's maybe he's okay to hang out with but as we go into the film i'm like no you're well, it's
1: a very that. it's a very rear window situation at first because he's on his balcony looking through his binoculars at his neighbor across the
2: way who's feeding her birds and stuff and, topless yeah yeah she's just known as topless neighbor i think Yeah, topless bird woman or something <laughs> yeah like that. um so that's when he while he's on his uh balcony looking he that's when he sees um Sarah, Sarah, yeah. Which we've been fighting with this before we've done this podcast because we don't know how to say the actress's last name, and we are very sorry because you are a great actress. Yeah, she's awesome. But uh, Riley Keough, Ke- Keough, call, 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 call. Sing it, sing, sing it. Um, so, so we're really, really sorry. If I mean, I don't really think she's going to listen to this ever. But if you're if she's... you're like her number one fan, I'm so sorry. Uh, but she's great in it, and it's literally just like. What kind of got me about this scene is that this happens like right after Sam has, no, this he sees her before he has sex with a girl, right? And then like right after the um, O-Face happens, uh, he's like looking out the window and sees her walking her dog again and is like, oh, hey, I'm more interested in her than I am this girl that I've just had sex with, right? Have I got the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the order. Okay. So that already tells me right there, Sam's maybe kind of a bit of a douchebag, that it's always, like, looking for the next thing. And
0: that pool scene with Sarah, I was checking my notes to make sure, it's sort of a recreation of Marilyn Monroe and Something's Got to Give. Right. And that's a recurring theme throughout this film where they will reference, like, classic big Hollywood films. A lot films. of old Hollywood references. Like you already yeah. said, Rear Window with the mm-hmm. binoculars spying yeah. on his neighbors. And then um, there's a great little little subplot that barely matters of his mother calling to talk to him. And she's talking about Seventh Heaven and Janet Gaynor's performance in it. Mm-hmm. Which I've never seen that, so I don't... It's an no
2: old silent film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, They show little clips of it yeah. and everything, which yeah. I think ties into the plot. Well, I, I and like and old something. Hollywood. I don't even know who Janet Gaynor is. <laughs> <laughs> but something interesting is one of the start of the film that we see. We see um, a young woman um, who's like trying to wipe some graffiti off of a window, yeah. and it just says, Beware the dog killer. And so that already kind of sets up this like mystery within the film. Yeah, something
0: like, weird's going on. Like,
2: who is the dog killer? What is the dog killer? And we find out that the dog killer is someone who's going around killing all these dogs around. How uh, shocking! Yeah, I know <laughs> it's not a very uh, like, clever name or anything, but yeah, someone going around killing dogs. And there's always there's always um, missing posters up on almost everywhere that Sam walks. Yeah, um, that shows like these dogs missing and everything, which I think is important. It is important. I think it's important. Put a pen in
0: that thought yeah, for later. Put a pen in it. Well, I just like he, okay. Um, I had some general, broad thoughts about Sam, just as like his characteri- characterization throughout the film. So this is going to jump ahead a little bit as I go through it. I but think it's okay to jump through in this movie. That yeah, should be fine. So clearly, he has a problem with women. Yeah, clearly, we can talk yeah, about. yeah, And you really clearly see it in a lot of his dreams or hallucinations where he'll be interacting with a woman and she starts to bark at him like a dog. Mm-hmm. And then that makes you start to think about this dog killer thing. So still keep a pin in that idea. Um, many of the relationships we see him have in the film are hollow. Yeah. So he's obsessed with Sarah, completely and totally obsessed. Who he drops met. everything that he's doing to pursue her. He's barely known her just for a day. He has flings left and right. He's hooking up with the actress chick that's visiting him. He'll meet a girl in the course of his like going about town and just want to hook up with them. Well, we all know what that's like. That's like uh, a day for yeah. us. <laughs> his, his relationships with his male friends, they are all very detached and often vaguely adversarial. He mm-hmm. meets the guy at the party that he knows and he's like, hey, what have you been up to? And he's oh, like, Oh, which is, what have you been up to? Who,
2: what's the actor's name? Because oh. I fucking love him so much. Let's see. B-b-b-b-b- he's in Westworld. Yep. Yeah, he's
0: been in a lot of good stuff.
2: Um, I, I, my favorite of his is the characters that he plays, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia.
0: Well, his one friend that's really close to him that they just call Bar Buddy is Topher Grace. Yeah, that's Topher yeah, Grace. Yeah.
2: But the guy who's uh, wearing a woman's blouse at the party, mm. I can't, uh, Jimmy Simpson. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's God, good. He's yes. so much fun. He's always playing somebody slightly weird. Yeah, and and but he was just he was so much fun. To, every scene <laughs> he was in, I was happy because he's completely embraced this weird. Art scene, avant-garde, like, underground Hollywood thing of all of these failed actresses and actors that are, like, trying to still be relevant Mm -hmm. in the community. And he's just batshit. (laughs) And I love him.
0: (laughs) Uh, But uh, so it's clear in all these interactions with women, he cares more about gratification and sex than ever wanting to develop, like, a meaningful relationship that has any substance to it. And that's definitely a theme of the film, I thought, of, like sexualization in media and how that has affected you know us as people as viewers that have grown up with this and seen this and maybe been affected by it uh and it's connected in with the film because often everything we get is sam's perspective on things Mm -hmm. so when we see a woman in the film and it does like you know focus on them in a very sexual manner that's sam's perspective that we're seeing them through right And I think maybe part of the film is about the fact that he sees that way because that's how know, media has how taught media him, to has to him to look at him. him, him and I don't think that excuses his behavior. No, not at all. But I think that's one interesting aspect of like the whole... Well, we've all been influenced by media in one way or another like that.
2: Well, and I you think know. what we find out later is the one true interaction that we get from Sam that feels the most genuine is when Sam runs into what we're supposed to believe is his old girlfriend at a party and who he sees on billboards now. Right. Um, she's become a model actress. And he, he stops at the billboard early in the film and you don't know why. Yeah. He just stares at it. And so he runs into her later in mm-hmm. the film towards the end of the film, actually at one of these weird elite Hollywood parties. And that's when I think when we see Sam be the true Sam, because he's, he stops like almost everything he's doing, his quest for Sarah, all of this weird shit just stops. And she's like, how are you doing? And he's like, uh, not that good. Mm-hmm. And through the through a revelation later, I think that what's happened is what happens to a lot of people is that Sam was in this relationship with mm-hmm. her. It did not end well, and Sam spiraled. Right, his life just fell apart, and he didn't do anything to try to. She became rich and famous, or at least you know famous. She and moved on. She's ascending. He's and He's going else. nowhere. He can't
1: pay his rent. He's about to get evicted.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> he just continues to spiral downward. And instead of looking at the real reason why that relationship ended, which is probably him,
3: mm-hmm.
2: he just starts to blame it on everyone else around him and what's all their fault and it's a conspiracy. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, does this fucking sound familiar to current events yeah, that we're <laughs> hearing and seeing? That, a little
0: qanon That it's never my
2: fault. It's <laughs> never something that I've done. It's always, let's look to yeah. somebody else to blame. And for Sam, he yeah. often blames either one this mystery group of like the Illuminati type people that Mm -hmm. run and control everything. And we only see what they want us to see. And that there's these secret codes hidden in everything that's given out to you. Mm -hmm. But those codes are only for those in the know. Right. Mm -hmm. I would argue that we
1: also see his true nature one other time before that part where he meets his ex-girlfriend when he kicks the shit out of those kids. Oh yeah. yeah. His car. That's true.
2: Yeah. So there's debate online as to whether, and I think there's people trying to like, actually like Sam as well, a character. Of course, because they see too
1: much of themselves in him. And
2: so they're trying <laughs> to explain that away, saying that that didn't really happen. Mm, it- How come
1: that didn't happen, but everything else that's weird? I don't know. And to I me, cool. I was
2: like, no, he punched the shit out of that oh, kid. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, you almost relate to him because you'd want to. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to. But you're to. also like, no, that's a kid. Yeah. And I'm not going to punch the shit out of this kid for egging my car and scratching a dick onto the top of it. Which was kind of <laughs> funny. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And especially since um, his it's like it's bar nice buddy, car. Topher Grace, call his car, calls his car a cockmobile. Yeah. And he says, that's what you get for driving a cockmobile.
0: <laughs> Another time that's I'm not even sure what that means. telling a little bit. And we'll talk about these characters a little more in a second. But uh, he's walking around with Millicent, who's a character that comes into the plot later. And they pass a homeless guy that kind of hassles them a little bit. And he goes on this just like... Yeah,
1: he says, like, I don't want to be fired or something or misunderstood, but I don't like the
0: homeless. And he just really rants about it. And it's in a situation where, like, he's about to be homeless.
2: Yeah, right. He doesn't, yeah. So we see all of these images of Sam. Like Mm -hmm. This movie, I think, is difficult. And I think the reason that it was called divisive so much is because you really have to look at this... A lot of films want to drag you in Mm -hmm. and have you be part of the narrative, but this film is begging you to not. Yeah, it's begging you to separate yourself from it and just watch it Mm -hmm. unfold, because I think it's super easy to get drawn into it. Because I think we all like conspiracy theories.
0: Oh yeah, it's fun. This idea that there's something else out there and you can solve it and reach this sort of like profound. Right. I think we even touched on that with Dark Song. Mm -hmm. That. And I wanted to talk about that with this film, because a lot of what's going on with Sam and the way he notices things or finds connections, thinking. Uh, it's an idea called synchronicity, which yeah. is a concept that first came up from uh, Jung. And it was this idea that to describe circumstances that appear meaningful related, yet lack a casual connection. And uh, he thought that that was like a healthy part of a functional mind, whatever you want to say about that. Uh, But it's a way of us as people giving important uh, material things to stuff that might be unconscious and out of our attention. And if we extrapolate the idea of synchronicities and the ideas of looking for them, it's definitely another way of, yes, magical thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think that
2: we get get like a juxtaposition of Sam with Bar Buddy. Mm -hmm. When Sam is kind of unloading just a little bit of that to him about, you know, like... Uh, don't you think we were meant for something better? Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe I'm just living in this
0: alternate life that, and he says, uh, do you ever feel like you made the wrong choice? And yeah. Just gone down that path. And so bar buddy
2: tells him like, that's just narcissism, man.
0: Mm-hmm. That's just the
2: narcissism mm-hmm. built into our nature that we all think that we're destined for greatness. And we all think that there's something more when literally we're just us. It's just here. Yeah. But the shitty thing is, is that they're, doing this scene while flying a drone through yeah. <laughs> Hollywood Hills and spying <laughs> on women. Yeah. Um. So it's just so disconnected there. Yeah, like,
1: a woman who eventually comes out, sits on the bed, takes off her top, and just
0: starts to cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we get this voyeurism. There's so much about voyeurism yes. in this film. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a constant, like, there's always just objectification of women. And I think that's where some people get hung up on the film. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you need to really be able to do is to, like, realize that the film isn't, like glorifying that they're wanting you to look at that and be like, mm. just because you
1: portray something right. doesn't mean you're condoning it. <laughs> a lot of people.
0: So Mitchell said in some interviews that he was
2: really hurt by the fact that people were calling him misogynistic for this film. And he's like, it's not me,
1: man. It's Hollywood. <laughs> but, but he's
2: also like, did you not get it? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're not supposed to like Sam. Yeah. Sam is a very unreliable narrator. He's very shitty. He's really lost in, in, a horrible mental health breakdown right. that he's refusing to seek help for. Yeah, not, not every protagonist you're supposed to identify with. And you know. so, yes, you're supposed to look at this and go, no, this is not healthy. Mm-hmm. This is not a healthy way to live. And so I think if you're watching this movie and you're like, I want to be like Sam, <laughs> you should ride us because we can put you in touch <laughs> with some people that could probably help you. There are people who can help
0: you, please. Yeah. I mean, I felt sympathetic to him, but it was often I was just like, I wish you would just go get help. But then at every turn, he goes one layer deeper yeah, down the well.
2: It's And it's it goes back to what he said to Bar Is Don't you think you ever just made the wrong choice? Mm-hmm. He just continues to make the wrong choice like it's every like time. In
0: that moment, he almost recognizes what he's doing. But then he turns away from it and just keeps running on. Self-awareness is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: So, Sam, to get to the Sort of plot of the film, I guess. I mean, the <laughs> plot's loose. Here. Yeah, we can just get to the main, like, points. But yeah, Sam is supposed to meet up with um with Sarah the next day because her roommates come home. Um, with a and, weird pirate guy. Yeah, with a weird dude <laughs> in, a,
0: like, a pirate patch. Um, That's one of those, like, great Lynchian moments where, it's, where they just throw in something weird and you're like, what is that? <sighs> Based on Jason's face. I wouldn't call it all.
1: Lynchian. I would call it just... Okay, anyways. It oh, no. t- to me, it strikes me as more of weird for
2: weird's sake.
3: Mm, okay. So Uh,
2: that's one of those touches. It's kind of like, okay, personally, I think it's important. Okay. Because I think that so much of this film is a metaphor for mental health. And I think it's about seeing the things that you want to see, Mm -hmm. um, because that's exactly what he's doing. He, he believes in his mind that there is this overarching, you know, conspiracy, So he sees what he wants to see. And I think that the characters, the weird characters that he sees in the film, are figments of his imagination. So it really wasn't a dude dressed as a pirate? Well, I think to him it was. But I've also said before on this that reality is what you believe it is. Mm -hmm. So you can convince yourself very easily, if no one's there to kind of help you snap out of it, that
0: something that's not true is very true. And I think that's what's clever about the film, is that we only have Sam's perspective to go off of.
2: Right. So the only time that we see somebody that really... So Sam unloads a little bit to Bar Buddy. Bar Buddy says, that's just narcissism, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about it. He also
0: ends up getting sprayed by a skunk. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because... Um... And I love the paranoia that comes out of that, too. For the rest of the film, there'll just be random spots where people are like, oh, what's that smell? Yeah. Like yeah. Some
1: people acknowledge it, other people don't. Yeah. But, but he thought he was being followed by some... I mean, it's definitely not human what we see. It's like some mm-hmm. sort of a creature. And that's why he's behind the bush and gets sprayed by the skunk. That's
3: right. Not, you
2: know. Right. So And he blames... <laughs> so init- but I think that's an interesting point, though. Because initially, when the actress at the beginning comes in with the sushi, she says, what's that weird smell mm-hmm. in the apartment? And I thought pot. Yeah. You know, But then as the film goes on, I have another thought of what that smell was. But uh, she... He says, "Well, I don't know. There's a lot of skunks around here. You know, like skunks (laughs) are all over the place." I just thought he was unkempt, but you know, that's just.
1: There's a lot lot of good subtle setups (laughs) where
0: they'll mention something or reference something, and then later in the film, it gets realized. Right. So he gets sprayed by the skunk, and he's um,
2: actress girl ends up coming over again to bring him tomato juice, Mm -hmm. so that he's bathing in tomato juice to try to get rid of the skunk smell. (laughs) Well, this is where Sam actually unloads all of his conspiracy theory onto her. And he's like, don't you just fucking think that there's, you know, like you can just see the guy with all the (laughs) strings attached to the wall. And
1: she's visibly disturbed by
2: those. And that's when she's like, okay, I'm going to go now. (laughs) Um, And I'll come back when the smell is gone is what she tells him. And so that's the only other time that you see him really unload his thoughts to somebody and he's immediately rejected from it. But yeah, he does have
1: some self-awareness there too because he says, is that weird? Yeah. <laughs> because he realizes he's gone too far with her. Well, I
2: think everybody and I think even people who are um, mentally ill have that thought of like, is this weird? Is this weird? And if you don't have someone there to talk to you about like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking weird. <laughs> that's man. weird. So who does he meet really next? And it's, um, he finds this um, kind of
0: zine. Well, uh, in, the in between we should set up, so uh, Sarah goes missing. <laughs> Jason's over here like, I don't even fucking know.
2: Him, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sarah goes missing, he kind of wonders, he
0: sees some weird stuff. There's a report on the news about this really famous rich guy named Jefferson S- uh, Sevenths. Sevens. Sevens. And he's mysteriously died. His car was found burning, his body's in there, there's the body of a few women and when Sam's watching it, he sees them pulling out stuff from the wreckage, mm-hmm. and he notices Sarah's hat. Yep. So that he begins to suspect that maybe that's her. Something's yeah. happened to her. Right. He wants to find out the truth. Someone killed her. But Sam goes to
2: the bookstore and ends up picking up this zine called "Under the Silver Lake." Yeah, called "Under the Silver Lake." And, and I
0: fucking love these parts. I love how the, the, the animation stuff's really cool. I would buy this if it was real.
2: And this zine is like basically one of these underground like art projects comic strips mm-hmm. that somebody's done but it's of this conspiracy about how there's uh if you get too close the owl lady will come and kill you and mm-hmm. there's a fantastic animation that's just super fun about the owl lady coming to kill you but so sam actually brought to my one of my favorite characters in the movie which is the the clerk comic shop guy yeah (laughs) (laughs) um sam goes to the clerk and he says you know do you know who does this and the guy's like oh he's in here every now and then he's like well you give him my number i'd like to talk to him um you know know. (laughs) and he's like i don't know man and sam's like well i'll give you five dollars if you'll give him my number and so the dude's like i'll give him your number but I don't, I don't need, need your $5, $5. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the dude's so insulted, insulted and I love it. Yeah. But so Sam ends up getting connected with mm-hmm. this artist. Well, this artist is full blown conspiracy theory too, right? It's, it's,
0: it's the end of the road that Sam is on,
2: right? This is not somebody who's just making a zine like from this idea in his mm-hmm. head. He is all in on this. He fully believes this. Well, now Sam is
0: vindicated. Yeah. Almost like it's like he's found the answer to everything he thought was true.
1: Right. And and Dustin, who plays the comic book Arthur? Oh no! Uh, no, you know who it is because oh, I think oh, yeah. I think he's deliberately cast here.
0: Yeah. Oh shit!
1: Patrick Fischler is the actor's name.
2: He's in Lynch stuff, right? Yeah. Yes. He is. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It wasn't coming to me. That was intentional casting for sure. I, I think
0: he's actually in. Um, and Drive, isn't uh-huh. mm-hmm.
1: A very memorable scene yeah, in Mulholland yeah. Drive.
0: Um, and he's got a weird collection of these, like, castings made of yeah, life famous castings. people's faces. Yeah. That scene kind of
2: struck me, like, because we're all three collectors mm-hmm. of different things. Like, I'm more of a toy collector. You are a Blu-ray collector, a movie mm-hmm. collector. And Jason kind of leans more towards records.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, like, all of us, he makes a statement. He's like, I should get a family so that... I can leave all this to these people. Yeah, and I feel I've had that thought many times.
1: I love that line. I love the delivery of that line because there's a pause there. He says, he's looking at all of his stuff. And he says, I should get a family. And you're thinking, oh, he's realizing that he's trying to fill his life with stuff, right? But right. then he says, to pass his stuff along to.
2: It, it wasn't to right. have
1: any real fulfillment. It, it was. Uh-huh. It's perfect delivery. I really like that part.
2: But all of these scenes, it feels creepy, but it's like it feels creepy because we're not Sam anymore. Right. Like, now we're seeing somebody a little bit further along down the trail than Sam is, so we're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, this dude's weird. He's got security cameras all in his house. The typical conspiracy
0: theory paranoia. He's got the little, like, secret bunker. Yeah. But,
2: so, Sam is now kind of, like, emboldened. To continue on his journey now, yeah, find the truth, and he thinks that the truth might be linked to stuff in this scene as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of lost as to where we go from like where where it even. So turns there's a from
0: few there. other like vignette setup things. Um, we got to talk about Jesus and the Bride of Dracula, the Brides of Dracula. Such a good name. There, this is the weird like pretentiousness art project stuff that you were talking about. Yeah, so they're this like pseudo goth yeah.
2: 70s prog rock type band or something. There's a fun um, Prague, tidbit Prague. as to who they actually are. Oh yeah, it's the Silver Sun Pickups. Mm. If is ah, into I know who they heard of them, indie but indie music, they're um, sounds kind of hipsterish to me. It's pretty hipsterish.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're this very pretentious. Like, <laughs> I mean, you'd
2: know if you were cool. If I was cool, I'd know. if you were cool, you'd know. Yeah. But yeah, that actually is the Silver Sun Pickups.
0: Okay, and uh, he comes across them uh, at first at a rooftop party, right? Some of the girls are singing there. Yeah, yeah, he's. <laughs> that's a funny scene
2: where he goes so this makes me think of a movie that i really really like and i was going to mention it so it at least gets put in our in our notes and mm-hmm. related films but have you guys seen kiss kiss bang bang I No, not unfortunately it's uh neo-noir with um robert downey jr um and val kilmer Ooh. but it's it's written by shane black so jason's immediately gonna throw it to the side no no <laughs> he's, he's done
1: some good stuff i just think but it is a, overrated
2: It is actually following the same type of path. This Mm. girl goes missing, and um, they're hired to find her. Um, But they end up weaving through all these weird Hollywood avant-garde parties. Mm -hmm. And so this scene had this feeling of, like, you show up to this party at somebody's mansion, and this girl is covered in balloons. Yes. And everyone takes a pin when they get to the party. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She does her dance performance. Performance art dance thing. And and then everyone pops her balloon. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's so fucking weird.
0: And she's just called Balloon Girl in the film. Uh, it's played by Grace Van Patten. She does a great job. She was one of the more memorable characters that's like a side person, I thought. She
2: about. is, because she shows up a lot. Mm-hmm. As the more Sam starts following down into this conspiracy and this spiral, she seems to be connected in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that party is where Jesus and the Brides of Dracula are playing. Everybody seems to be really obsessed with them, really you know, blowing them about how great they are and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so Sam ends up getting an
0: invite to a solo show. Yep. From this party.
2: Jason's <laughs> <Just starts, laughs> staring off right now. And then
0: in between that, he's got the invite. And then before that, he tries to run down some of the girls that he remembered seeing Sarah interact with. Right. or Because he's asking around about like who knew her and because i know no, oh, there was a thing about that <laughs> oh we're lost in the spiral Let me find it in my notes because it was one of those it's one of,
1: this is one of those movies you really can't just sit down and recount the plot though
2: no i'm trying to think of my standouts so specifically sam figures out that okay maybe the next step that i should go is to track down jesus and the brides of dracula so he gets this and i'm thinking he ends up getting a little seven inch right of like a single
0: yeah film. so that's at the secret party that's at the secret party okay. where he so, well, to the I, I, I girl found to what him. it was. So he goes to this like one thing, and it's in the graveyard, and they're doing like a they're yep. showing Hollywood a, graveyard. They're oh. showing a film that some of the brides acted in, which looks pretty and cool. I'd watch that movie. That scene is uh, a recreation of a scene from Mitchell's first film, The Myth of the American Sleepover. Oh, neat! They okay. just reshot it with the actors cool. in this. Huh. Cool. So that's a funny little connection.
3: Yeah. Well, um, and he
0: sees when they leave. Um,
2: he sees the, some girls hanging in the back and they're the actresses that are in the movie. And he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, are you in this movie? And they're like, yeah. And, What's said smell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, they do comment on his smell. Um, but when they leave, he notices they get in a limo with pirate dude, right? Pirate Yar. dudes in the limo. So he's like, I got to start tracking them down now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think this is where we also see Sam's misogyny to like really kick up. Because when he's out of ideas of how to find these girls, he just like lays open all of these magazines he has of like lingerie ads, Playboy, anything he's got with a woman on it, and starts jerking it.
0: And he has a favorite Playboy, too. Uh, the July 1970 issue, where the cover girl is Janet Wolfe.
2: Yeah, it, it was it's a strange thing. <laughs> um,
0: I think they really just picked it for the later like, link in, in the, the, the film. Tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but then suddenly, like, he turns the page because whatever's not doing it for him. And he turns the page
0: and he notices... I don't think
1: that's misogyny, though.
0: Um, well, it could, you know, chaos magic. Do we need to talk about that, too? <laughs> only if you really want to.
1: I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess... We'll save that for a different episode. I think the visions of the girls barking at him is, is more really of a symbol of misogyny. But I don't know. I I, see it could that... be interpreted that way, but I don't think that just being aroused by images of women should be deemed misogynist. no it's to me it's the
2: way he was doing it okay mm-hmm.
1: he to was me, doing it wrong is what you're saying
3: <laughs> no to me his it was masturbation
2: the fact, ritual was not long enough yeah <laughs> to me it was the fact that he laid all this stuff out and he's like well some of these have to appeal to me right you know that's like i don't know, I don't know. so what's that's, your method How do I, you do lots crying. <laughs> there's lots of crying jason that's the method lots of crying um but he ends up noticing that one of the girls that was in the film is actually part of an escort service yeah, because there's an, an ad, ad. Yeah. and he's like, well, I'll just call her. And uh-huh. then one of my problems was like, okay, you can't fucking afford rent. How did he afford this girl? Credit card. She said, okay. I,
1: I mean, it's a wild coincidence. He gets the exact girl he wanted. Maybe he asked for her. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Had, like, it a doesn't, personalized. That doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really doesn't show matter. us. doesn't matter.
2: Um, yeah. As he continues to follow this on down though, like he goes to the secret party, mm-hmm. which is in like a mausoleum, it was a really it's a cool, cool setting thing. i was yeah. thinking phantasm maybe yeah, phantasm yeah. vibes but i thought it was funny because the dude uh the security guard at the door they're like they tell him when she takes this cookie he's like you have to have this cookie not a single piece can be mm-hmm. gone right. of it or to you get entry yeah. or you have to give it to them and so the dude's like to get in you gotta take a bite of the cookie and sam being a total fucking cock just eats the whole thing and shoves the whole thing in his mouth yeah yes then, yeah you can imagine it turns out to be <laughs> laced um, and but he something. meets balloon girl again. He does meet balloon girl. Um, but as in this party, he gets handed like a seven inch mm-hmm. single of Jesus and the Brides of Dracula. And, but he also dances to a song that's now
1: stuck in my head again. The Thank R. you M. very much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's the frequency Kenneth? Oh my yeah. God.
0: Which that's another kind of reference, right? Cause, uh, that song has to do about a mental breakdown. Yeah. So yeah. surely that was an intentional. Incident. Yeah, oh, definitely. But it no. also
1: just gave me this memory <laughs> jolt back to like 1994, and and they have uh... an
0: interesting conversation while they're like partying together, where he's he's mentions a little bit about what he's doing, and then she's like, you you know, why not just live in the moment? Let's just have fun. Let's just have a good time. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Yeah, we just need to you know live right now tonight. And he's, I think we need to
2: focus a little bit on uh, Andrew Garfield's dancing, which is like <laughs> straight up Crispin Glover inspired. Yes. Um, it's out there. It's about, that's why I don't dance, because that's how I would look. <laughs> he's just got it. I mean, the one thing I will say about this movie is Andrew Garfield swings for the fences. He goes for he it. He for sure. I think that he's completely involved in it. Well, oh, the whole
1: cast is good. I really think so. I think it's. We'll get to that
2: though. As like outlandish as it gets, and how it continues to spiral, and all this stuff. You never, I don't know. I think that's what got me so into it is that everybody was so committed that it was almost a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. No, it's very much dark comedy. Yes, but I'm I'm in there with them. I'm like, well, shit, I gotta see where it goes now.
0: You know, so, uh, I'm finding I'm finding the train forward. So I just. Well so, I think
2: once he gets the seven inch he uh, ends
0: up before he gets into the seven inch thing uh, more happens <laughs> with that author guy <laughs> shut up <David. laughs> well this, this, it's it's fun when you watch it because you really get like in the labyrinth with him right and the thing is that he has like five different plates that are all spinning that's like a possible thing that could be the thing and he keeps having to check back up on each one right. as it goes uh, he goes back to see the author guy and he's dead. <sighs> Dun, dun, dun. Right, he shows up outside his house, the mm. police are there,
2: and they're like, did you know him? And he's like, well, are they like, they're were you family? He's like, well, I knew the guy. But they, the officer develops way too much information. Yes. <laughs> no. Dude's just like, yeah, he fucking shot himself. He killed himself. It's a suicide thing in there.
3: <laughs> but so
0: him, you know, following the links, this has to be significant. He breaks in, he reviews the dude's security footage, <laughs> and it seems that the owl's kiss that he speaks of in the comics came and killed him. According to the videotape which that we see, I really
2: um, like that up. imagery a lot. I it's think cool it's imagery, super cool. It's spooky. You could yeah. do a whole
0: horror film that's just that character. It's basically, yeah, I
2: mean. it's basically a naked female that's wearing like a, a an owl mask, mm-hmm. which I looked up. Um, apparently, that's an old folklore thing in like a lot of Native American culture. Mm-hmm. Is um, that like the owl will come and take your sons or something? Like if you wronged them. Yeah, Something like that. The owls so... are not what
1: they seem. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, the, it... the framing of that too reminded me a lot of the scene in Juon mm-hmm. when they're looking at the security f- the yes, security yes. guards watching. It's
2: the same like setup and everything,
1: mm-hmm.
0: same framing. But,
2: I really like the imagery the imagery of the owl's kiss. I think that's
0: yeah. Um... I think like it's totally not a horror film, but there are these little nuggets in there that are like great horror moments mm-hmm. just individually. Yep. But the interesting thing is that. We all
2: saw as viewers that the writer of this magazine is very mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. And Sam's response to the copies is like, I didn't think he's anybody who would kill himself. Yeah. When we're all like, <laughs> "Really, dude's off yeah. the chain. Pretty, like, he's yeah. completely not okay. Mm-hmm. And you could easily see this guy killing himself. But yeah, Sam's just completely oblivious. He's like, no, there's no way that guy would kill himself. So Sam, that's when Sam sneaks in to the house, right? Once the cops
0: leave, right. Sam gets the footage. Gets the it. footage and also grabs this um, cereal box that the guy thought was important. Yeah. yeah. So and there's it, a map, uh, like a puzzle map on the back. So Sam is already starting to follow the clues now. He's and, kind of picked up the journey. And Jason's like, How long are we going to talk about this? <laughs> So now Michael finally, this is where he fiddles with the record and he gets the secret clues out of that.
2: He basically. He, and he references earlier he's like do you believe you know in like the hidden
0: messages like back-masking and like
1: back and all that yeah. he tries playing it backwards which gave me the cringes because he's got his turntable all messed up and everything and
0: it's kind of also in this segment where he interacts with the shooting star escort stuff too isn't it
3: yeah he calls that
0: number and it turns out to be some of the girls that he's met at these parties yeah they're all kind of linking together so in his mind he's seeing like oh shit I'm onto something and what they tell him is just you know if you want to get famous in Hollywood this is what you do you gotta sign up for this be an escort where it, yeah so he ends up finding side of hollywood that we
2: all know mm-hmm. he ends up thing. finding a code within the song that's not playing it backwards mm-hmm. it's literally i think it's chord progressions yeah because he's outside playing on his guitar and he's like finds a chord progression he's like wait and <laughs> i want to say it's like the nashville number system that he's using or something that's like you assign a number to a chord yeah um, and kind of go from there and he spends all his time like ciphering it and then finds like rub James rub Dean's head and weight under um uh Newton. Yeah. And so he finds like, oh my God, the conserve, the observatory yeah, has James Dean's statue. Rubs his head, waits under Newton, and then some weird homeless dude shows up. <laughs> the
1: Homeless King. The at, Homeless King. At the Griffith Observatory, which has been used in
2: countless
1: yeah. movies. Yes, yeah. another iconic classic yeah, Hollywood. I mean, you, you've seen it in a movie. Rocketeer was one of them, Terminator,
2: quite a few. That, that just got a, an anniversary. Oh, yeah, awesome. It's a great movie. It is, underseen. Yeah,
0: we um, should watch that.
2: Yeah, we should. <laughs> uh, the Homeless
0: <laughs> King brings him to a bunker that's underneath Griffith Park. And that bunker is quite interesting. Uh It is actually, oh God, I have so many notes. Uh, (laughs) It's the same location in which the end of 2001, a space odyssey takes place. Okay. Set up to be. Cool. Same, same deal. That's neat. But it's
2: basically like an empty bomb shelter. Yeah. It's essentially, it's not empty though. It's got stuff in it. It's got like a bed, bed, some supplies. and so, but Sam's like, well, it's just a bomb shelter, you know? And so he crawls his way through this tunnel to get out because he's not told how he gets out of here. Crawls his way through a tunnel and ends up coming up into the, uh, cooler of some
0: (laughs) supermarket (laughs) (laughs) supermarket. It's,
2: I think what I love the most too, is he just stops and drinks from Yeah. I I'm (laughs) here. I
0: just might as well. So that's almost a dead end for him. Right. It's another thing where he's gone down the track and then the story stops and he has to find the next link in the chain. And so from here, I think it's where he starts focusing on the songwriter, right? Right. Um, so intermixed in this too, there's the whole deal of, uh, he's going to get evicted. He's not paid his rent. And your talk about like the ex-girlfriend, it made me think this, this time I rewatched it. I wonder if that apartment, they had it together. and oh, she that's moved a good, out. That's a good point. And that's part of why he's fallen behind on paying for it. Cause it doesn't really look like the place that he could have ever, or also
2: why yeah, he's, or sense. also why he's hell bent on holding it on mm-hmm. um, why he just doesn't leave.
0: Yeah. And just find somewhere cheaper. that he Yeah. Can
2: manage. Um, but we do get this interesting thing um, early from the um, zine writer, mm-hmm. who tells us that there's a hobo code. Yeah, because Sam sees in the in Sarah's apartment there's these, this image drawn on the wall, and he's like, mm-hmm. "What the fuck is that?" And so there's a hobo code that the zine writer tells him about. That's like things that hobos would draw on on items yeah, or buildings co-fini. to let people other hobos know, like. Well, I didn't know this was a real thing, and so I Googled it. It's a total real thing. It's really interesting. Awesome. Yeah. I fell down a rabbit hole and a half of that. (laughs) So, as Sam starts to try to track down Jesus and the Brides of Dracula to find out, like. This is my
0: favorite party that he goes to. Yes. It's a chess party (laughs) where people just get together and sit around and play chess. (laughs) Well, because
2: it's the dude,
0: uh, Jimmy Simpson. Yeah.
2: He's like, "Uh, Do you play chess? And he's like, No. He's like great so it's fine it's perfect even better (laughs) but it's like he says that this dude throws a party for all these people to play chess and Mm. like he thinks it's cool and it's so fucking pretentious yeah (laughs) but jesus and the brides of dracula are there yes and um (laughs) this is a really awkward moment in the film it's hilarious (laughs) andrew garfield sam tracks jesus into the bathroom And just beats the hell out of him. He's sitting on the shitter. And he comes in and just drags him off. (laughs) Now, something interesting. Did you notice that there is a gratuitous shot of Jesus' shit in the toilet? Yes. Yes. One frame. Did you catch the hobo code? No. I don't think so. It said dead end. Ooh. It was the triangle, upside down triangle for dead end. Like, the path is dead here. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the next scene, he starts beating him, saying like, What's the code? What's the meaning in the song? You did the song. And yeah, Jesus reveals like, to him, no, he's I like... I didn't write it. I
0: didn't write it. Yep. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And he says, the songwriter wrote it. And he says, I did most of them, but the songwriter gave me that one. And he gave him several. Yeah. And he's like, those are all your hits, though. <laughs> but <laughs> the poor dude is like, the image, like the the
2: visage of jesus being like this cool aloof vampire thing is gone he's now crying on the ground with his <laughs> pants down and sam's like well those are all the best songs and he's like well that's a little harsh man <laughs> <You> know, like- <laughs> um
1: but yeah he, he admits jesus admits that it was uh, max martin who wrote those songs so then he has to. Sorry, Max Martin's like notorious for writing all those uh, hits uh, and stuff. Well, I think that's definitely. The, <laughs> but I think that's definitely the intention. That's where they're going. How much yeah. of
0: like famous pop music is just someone else wrote it? It's nothing to the artist. They just performed it.
2: Yeah, like to it was. It still is common that if oh if you're going to be anybody, you're going to write with this dude. Like yeah. you're going to go set up with them. Almost get none you, of those
0: people write their own music. They're going to get you a hit. But with this link, it connects to something that he heard in passing before. When some of the girls told him about a party that they went to, that was in this like very wealthy, like sealed off area with mansions. Yeah. And you could kind of roam wherever you wanted, but there was one mansion on the hill that they said never to go to. Mm-hmm. And it was like, who owned it? I don't know. Just some. Well, Sam ends up so figuring it gun. out. Yeah, he he links that up together. He ends up figuring it out and it goes, goes.
1: It looks decrepit too. Like it's it's not it looks, it doesn't look like it's in use. Or at least yeah. Not upkept.
2: It's not like the other mansions he's yeah. been to so right. far in the party. Um, and did you notice all of these mansions looked very much like the mansions in Mulholland Drive? Yes. They're all like a spitting image. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're all like those, you know, probably McMansions, really, more than
1: anything. <laughs> yes. But
2: Mitchell said in an interview about this that when he was writing this, which he wrote before It Follows, hmm. he wrote this before that, and...
0: He could have never made this first. No, not at all, <laughs> but
2: he was but people were like this is fun. Like this is wild and crazy and artsy and I'd love to see this made and they're like but you're not going to get this made. No, not so from this creature. So he shelves it, but he said that he was talking to I think he's his girlfriend or wife at the time that you look up at those mansions in Hollywood and you're like what kind of life is that? Mm-hmm. Like that's on a different plane
3: mm-hmm.
2: of existence from everybody down here. Like I wonder what that world is like. Right. And so I think this is an exploration of that. Like this.
0: That's fascinating.
2: Almost like this is the, uh, this is the people he's talking about though. The Illuminati that control right, everything right. down here. Super wealthy. We they, can't get to them. Yeah. You know? Uh, but yeah, we end up, Sam ends up getting to this mansion and, makes it inside leads to my favorite scene of the whole movie it's awesome one of the
0: best segments
2: it's awesome so he sees this old dude who reminds me of um old biff from from back to the future yeah he's kind of like
1: an old biff makeup that mixed with a little bit of johnny cash maybe i got some johnny cash in there i don't know why
2: he's sitting there playing piano yeah and he's playing all of these pop songs bits and pieces of these pop songs that you've heard yeah. Everyone's heard them. There's all this memorabilia, all these instruments sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain's guitar is a big one for yeah. Sam.
0: The, yeah, he has the Kurt Cobain poster. He idolizes right. them. If right. you notice,
2: in one of the scenes, Sam is actually dressed verbatim how Kurt Cobain has yes. been dressed in certain um, hmm. picture yeah, sheets. That. So he's obsessed with Kurt Cobain. Um, and he sees like Kurt Cobain's guitar and he's like, is that Kurt Cobain's Fender Jaguar? And he's like... I don't know. Maybe it is. (laughs) It's just like super aloof. And so that's where we get this kind of telling of like the truth uh, of what he's up to. Yeah.
0: What he's been searching for. Like I write all these songs, you know, yep. He says that everything in pop culture that you've cared about or that your parents have cared about, it's all been engineered just by one person, by him. And it's effectively all meaningless trite that the elite just use to swap secret secret messages back and forth between them. Yeah, and he goes
1: back. He, he's going. that's a great segment where he's just going through and playing bits of all. I these love different that. And he's songs. going through like the generations. Yeah, yeah. What
2: your parents listen? What your grandparents listen to? And what your parents listen yeah.
1: to? And he
0: plays "Smells Like Teen Spirit." That's and that's what <laughs> sets Sam off like. I actually, actually wrote down a line that he says too because it. I thought it was so good the way he delivers it, but it says. Oh, look at you. Everything that you've hoped for, that you've dreamed about being a part of, is a fabrication. Your art, your writing, your culture is the shell of other men's ambitions. Ambitions beyond what you will ever understand.
2: It's such a great scene. I think the actor who does this delivers it so well. Yeah. And and you see Sam break. Right. You really <laughs> see... <laughs> well,
1: then you see the old man break.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic scene. Sam just... Well... Sam goes for him and the old man pulls a gun on him. (laughs) Yeah. Shoots him. He's still playing with one hand too while shooting him. He's shooting at him, misses him, like hits everything else in the room, goes for another gun. Yeah, he should
1: have gone for the semi-automatic first, not the revolver.
2: (laughs) But he ends up pulling another gun but Sam charges him and baseball swings at his head (laughs) with the Fender
3: guitar (laughs) and
2: smashes it. Yeah, smashes his head in several times. Great practical effects scene. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, It was very... Uh, Midsummer, I felt totally pulled from that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I can see that
0: that head smashing scene. It's a good head smash.
2: But yeah, now Sam's covered in blood, and now it's just everything is completely out of control.
0: And unfortunately, he still hasn't
2: found Sarah. No, all this, <laughs> all this, and he's not found Sarah. I mean, we could probably spend three hours breaking down this movie, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure we need to. But I'm just enjoying discussing it with someone else right now because oh, God, I. I Spoilers for ahead, but I love this film so much. Just, But I sat there afterwards and I want to talk one thing I wanted to make sure I brought up. That's, I think, even though, Jason, I know you didn't care for this. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> the fact that this movie sparked a subreddit. Mm hmm. Of people trying to decode the meanings of this movie and looking for even more secret meanings that might not be apparent, they rewatch it so many yeah. times and they take notes and they're like writing things down and they're even talking.
1: even after the songwriter at the piano says that there's no meaning in
2: any of those, yes, yes, because they do the same thing <laughs> Sam does <laughs> in defiance of the film's like themes. They do that. Sam does the same thing, even though the songwriter told him everything you're looking for is a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I've done. Sam's like no. That can't be the answer. There has to be more. There has to be more in that fucking self destructive search <laughs> that. I mean, you watched Into the Storm. Yes. You see the QAnon, the QAnon thing. On you thing. You see how yes. this continues to happen. Oh, sure. Like. And you
0: know, it's I checked out. Uh, it's just... I checked out "Murder, Death, Koreatown" recently, which is like mm, a controversial I don't found watch footage that. film, I don't watch that and then. that's dealing with the same kind of stuff too. Mm. It's like someone tells you, you
2: you get so lost in this, like, no, this is what it has to be. It has to be mm. bigger than this because the answer can't be simple. Yeah. And someone tells you, like, I mean, there's still people thinking Trump's going to be reinstated in August because <laughs> because we can't not, you know, like because it's already been planted. We followed it this far. Yeah. And we somebody's gotta, like, they well, keep pushing the
1: date back. Have you noticed that? And but but they're like, well, it's over, man. It's over. We
2: found the answer. We got the answer. It's over. And they're like, no, it can't be that simple.
1: Well, they're looking for bamboo and the ballots.
2: As soon as they find that man, it's all done. But the same thing's happening with <laughs> Sam, and that's why I think that some people found this movie far fetched, and I'm like, it's not at no, no, all no. far fetched. Like it's
1: Thematically, no. If you take a face value of what's actually happening, Sure, it's far fetched, but you're not supposed to take it literally. Right, right,
2: we're know. we're we're watching Sam. Sam is our narrator, and yeah, this he's is very how, unreliable.
1: And this
0: is how Sam is viewing everything that's happening. Yeah. It's an exaggerated presentation, but I think that's one of the powerful things you can do in film is that you can exaggerate something so much that it makes a point. Sure, through the way you're showing it to people. And I think that one of the fun things
2: that Mitchell did here is he said in an interview, he's like, "No, I'm never going to reveal any of the truths." or I'm never going to reveal any of the things about why I wrote it or how I wrote it. Well, after That's
1: in line with the thesis of the movie. That's right. exactly what he's saying. But mm-hmm. people are
2: begging him to do it, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and there, you know
1: what? There probably isn't anything.
2: And he <laughs> yeah. almost insinuates that, that there isn't. That they, that- it's like I've thrown all this stuff in there,
1: and you're going to go grabbing at it, and you're going to think you figured it out, and it's all just meaningless. I told you in the fucking movie, weren't you paying attention? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, but I
2: think what's... For me, what I tended to really like about this movie was the fact that he couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. And I saw a very interesting thing. So after things really start to unravel for Sam and and like he's killed the songwriter and everything, he's back in his apartment and I'm pretty sure he's covered in blood at that time too because he has the gun and you see a scene where he's sitting there with the gun and you really think Sam's going to kill himself. Mm -hmm. Like you got that right, Jason. Like, did you feel that he was at his end there? Right. And he's visited by the owl's kiss. The owl lady shows up in his apartment and he turns only because there's a knock at a door. Like the owl lady is about to come up behind him and you're like, Oh, she's going to get him or we're going to get a tussle here. But mm-hmm. there's a knock at the door from the police, which is this really <laughs> funny, like middle of the night eviction notice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I really saw, and then I saw this in the message boards as well. I was really feeling like the owl's kiss is a metaphor for suicide mm-hmm. that when you're visited by this entity or whatever, it's basically like, okay, you've yeah, reached the end. It, like, it's yeah. time to
0: go. Which would make a lot of sense with the artist that makes it. Because, yeah. like we were saying, he was at the end of his rope, too.
2: Yeah, and he's... But it's also to add another conspiracy to on top of it. That mm-hmm. it's not something as simple as Sam is mentally unhealthy. Sam is mentally broken and needs help. It's got
0: to be, well, no, it's not my fault. Right, he compartmentalizes because he has all these problems, and I think on some level he knows he has them because he does kind of own up to them sometimes. He's a little self-aware sometimes, yeah. But he does this thing where it's like, if I solve this problem, which is a problem I can solve that's a specific thing of finding this person and finding out what happened to them, it'll all be better.
1: Yeah,
2: And I think that's a common theme in mental illness, though, Mm -hmm. is most people are not 100% crazy. Right, right. Most people have an awareness of... This isn't right. Like I know I'm not normal. I know that this isn't. This can't be true. But because you've convinced yourself so long that it is, you can't let it go. Like well maybe it is and maybe the other part's not the true one. Right. And so ultimately what Sam ends up finding because well, there's so much more.
0: We go to another party and I do want to talk about that party. Okay. It's the one where he meets Millicent who's the daughter of uh, Jefferson 7th. That's also where I think he encounters the X, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um there was another funny like I don't know if it's supposed to be Lynchian or just making fun of like the pretentiousness of Hollywood. But when he comes there, he's basically in his pajamas and he's just got like a plain white t shirt, but the second he goes through the door a chick's like, Oh hey, I like your shirt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're just like It's like those why? plain T shirts that cost three hundred dollars yeah. for some yeah. reason. Yeah.
0: I
2: I remember I was in um because I mean, you guys already know this now. We're in a small town in Kentucky, um, so I'm, I'm very aware of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> listeners know that now. We're in a small town in Kentucky, so there's not like big city stuff around us at all. So not I, too much. I, I went. My wife is from San Diego, so I went on a trip with her one time back to see where she grew up and everything. And I was wearing a Dawn of the Dead shirt that I bought at Old Navy. It was like a super mass produced <laughs> Dawn of the Dead shirt, but I had worn it so much that it kind of wore out mm-hmm. and I was wearing it at a, at a, a micro microbrewery that I stopped into <laughs> in this like super hipster part of town. And the dude was like, Oh my God, dude, vintage shirt. Like that's the coolest fucking shirt. Where did you get it? <laughs> and I was like, uh, old Navy. And the dude looked broken <laughs> that he was thinking that I was going to have some cool story about how I got the shirt. And I was like,
1: you think they were making Donald the dead shirts back in 1970.
2: <laughs> fucking I was A. like, I was like, yeah, I got an old Navy man. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> Did he ask you to leave? I mean, I felt like I could have been asked to leave because you're I felt... not pretentious enough to be here. Please leave. I almost didn't want to answer. I was like, oh, I don't know. I got enough a hobo down the street. You sea. should have said <laughs> a vintage
1: shop somewhere. I should have. Yeah, but, you should have said like pops or something. You
2: know, in me and my in my
0: infinite coolness. <laughs> yeah, like, you tell the it, truth.
2: Got it at Old Navy. <laughs> Had a coupon.
3: <laughs> I got uh, some sandals too. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: uh, so Sam hangs out with Millicent. Uh, they go on a walk. She gives him a bracelet that she had from her father that's got some strange, like, lettering on it, mm-hmm. and they go skinny dipping in the Silver Lake. As
2: you do. As you she's, do. But the reason for skinny dipping is because she wants to talk to him about what she's noticed about a conspiracy mm-hmm. with her father, but she needs to go where they aren't listening. Right. Yeah, she says they're being followed. But she wants to make it look like they're having sex in Silver Lake. Which I think he's down well, for. He begrudgingly be goes <laughs> along with I think he was definitely down for that. But then I saw somebody in a message board was like, what made the hail fall? And I was like, it's what? fucking gunshots, man. Yeah. Like, What made the what? Hail fall? What made the hail hit her? And I was like, hail? That's called a bullet, my friend. It's a bullet. Hail. Yeah, they said the hail fell from the sky and hit her. I was like,
0: what? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, people show up. Okay. They go gunning for them. They shoot her. And it's this weird moment where in her death, she recreates the shot yeah, from that, his Playboy magazine. And it's another one of those weird synchronicity moments. Yeah, This seems to suggest he's on the right path. And this is when we get our big like amalgamation of everything. He ends up finding that uh, through a Zelda map... Yep, he's got the cereal box prize map, a Zelda map. Uh, It all kind of coordinates to Silver Lake and the area around. And then he's got little coded messages on the bracelet that at first he thinks are chess moves, because it seems to mirror how you would notate those out. And he went to the chess party. Mm -hmm. So that seemed like a link dead-end... But if you take the Zelda map, how they had it in Nintendo Power, which is another thing he's obsessed with. NP, yeah, yep. Nintendo Power. I oh. had a shit ton of those. Me too. Uh, that was like a nice thing that my parents always did for me. They subscribed yeah, to Nintendo Power for us. Uh, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Yeah, so the lettering. The lettering <laughs> cor- uh, corresponds yes. Nostalgia. to... Nostalgia. <laughs> Nostalgia. The lettering corresponds to, like, if you grid map the Zelda map.
3: Yeah, it's a specific yeah. kind of cipher. Mm-hmm.
2: But he finds this location... That is supposed to be on the map of Silver Lake that he can find where the answer is. And when he Google Maps it, it's like blank there. Yeah, yeah. So once he finally goes there, it's supposed to be treacherous. We see a hobo sign, mm-hmm. hobo code that says "danger, stay out." Yep. He follows it anyway, and he comes across these three girls he's been chasing through the whole movie, and they're in like white a yurt. They're in like a yurt. Yeah, like yeah. A yurt. and in like. White cult robes. Mm -hmm. The nice hippie looking dude. Yeah. We find out through some pretty well-delivered monologues there, which I actually really like these scenes. He's a a likable actor, actor. yeah. Yeah. Um, That basically the wealthy elite are going to ascend um, by housing themselves in these bunkers, like he found earlier, with three other girls. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like the pharaohs of old. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that they're going to ascend... Um, and they're locked down there in these tombs. With enough food for, like, six months. Food and water for six months. so they cross over. Yeah. And so Sam is then reunited with Sarah because he doesn't believe it. hmm And they give him this, like, one-way... Phone. It's like a video phone. Video yeah. phone. Yeah. That, so ba- calls her. that he said, basically, we had to do this because some people were freaking out at one point. Yeah, yeah. We, we've had some trouble. On yeah. <laughs> and so Sam sees Sarah. She's there. And she looks happy. Mm-hmm. She sees um, the seventh guy, the yeah. dead guy from they earlier. That all that was just a stage death. Yeah. that, And he's now down there with Sarah. And it was actually her other two roommates mm-hmm. um, that were down there with him. And that's where she's going to be. Yeah, fine. Well, this was my favorite part cuz she's like, "Hi. Yeah. You know what? She's like, "Why are you tra- why are you
1: tracking yeah, me?" <laughs> it's like I was, you know, I, she's she's like you you just met me, like you barely know me or something like and that. And she basically
2: tells Sam why like, "Why would you do that?" She says, "Well, you think I've made the wrong choice." <sighs> mm-hmm. And he's like he doesn't really answer her. He but, says, "Maybe, I think." Yeah, yeah but, um, she's maybe like, I don't know. but she's like but she's like to like now. Well, I'm just going to make the best <laughs> of it. And yeah. so basically all of this journey that sam's been on culminates into just her going it's what i wanted
1: yeah and that's that's one of the misogynistic angles i think because he's built up this huge relationship in his head to about her. her yeah right. yeah it it's else... that
0: classic like put them on the pedestal yeah
1: or... exactly i just met you and i feel this for you you must feel the same way we're soulmates and she's like barely even knows who he is right it's know?
0: also this this
2: thing of like that you see the hero complex that so many like incel yeah. Right. The whole, have, like, white knight thing. Yeah, that, oh, if I can just save her, she'll yeah, see me.
0: Yeah. Um, but, she'll be mine. And the cult guy, he sort of truncates this with a line that I wrote down. That It's clear that, like, even after he speaks to her, Sam still can't kind of wrap his mind around, like, why why is this, why are yeah. they doing this? But the cult dude, he tells him, this isn't a world that anyone with any sense spends any time in or worrying about.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> And again, that kind of echoes what the balloon girl was telling him. That's like, why do you care about all of this? Let's yeah, just, just live in the now- yeah,
2: now. yeah, live for now. So that basically sends us um, the homeless king comes to take Sam away now. Yep. There's a problem. A problem that the homeless king has realized. Yeah, that Sam now knows. <laughs> he's Sam is in on it. And he's seen behind the curtain. And so now they have to decide what are they going to do with him? Are they going to kill him? Or are they going to let him live? Well, the
1: homeless king's really pissed because he's got dog biscuits in his pocket. Yep.
2: And he wants to know why. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Um, and it kind of brings us back around to who is the dog killer kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Because right. Because throughout the film, you're given hints to suggest that it might be Sam. Yeah. And there's a lot of little pieces in there where they do suggest that it is Sam. But also turn around in, the other, in another time and kind of prove, say, that it's not Sam. Mm-hmm.
0: So there's no definitive answer. But and here's where we get the truth, at least from Sam's perspective. Which is that he admits to him... You know, I used to be with this person, and she had a dog. I really loved the dog. We separated. It's a very painful memory. And I thought I would hold on to these, and maybe one day we would get back together somehow, and I could give the dog a biscuit again. And rub its ears like I used and to, and everything ears. would be okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And what I feel like we're kind of dumb for failing to mention is when you first see Sarah outside of the pool, she is her dog. Yeah. yeah, And so that's basically Sam's whole journey, like
1: projecting to, what he had on yeah, this new to girl to fix
0: what he's done right you know the ex is gone now and there's no way to do that but if he can like play it out properly with sarah right seems like it'll be okay it's not gonna be we know that but sam sam can't see that so sam returns back to his apartment he's gonna get evicted
2: um he looks over at um topless bird lady mm-hmm. and basically walks over there and sleeps with topless bird lady Seems like he's just gonna shack up with
0: her, yeah. and goes
1: out on the balcony. He's looking at his apartment, with the cops back, and the manager's back, and
2: you see the symbol—the symbol that says "keep quiet, keep quiet." Yeah. And, and that's pretty much the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Like credits roll. Interesting things through the credits, though, oh is there. Um, there's <laughs> little um, interspersed hobo codes right. throughout there, and I was—I found myself at the end of the movie, like with my phone up, like writing them down, <laughs> like trying to cipher it.
1: Trying to find meaning in something you were told has no meaning. And there is, yes. a, there
2: is a cipher in the credits. Yeah, um, it's a jumbled, um, what's that called? A, it's a specific code. where you It's like where you move one letter, one mm-hmm. letter A equals B, so therefore you write it out and you move the letter
0: over. Yeah, I but, hate that shit. Do you guys know what the brilliant <laughs> secret message is? What is it? Do you know? Written and directed by David Robert Mitchell. <laughs> <No>. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I know.
2: Mind-blowing. But... <laughs> What I think, but then that led me down after I finished the movie. Like, I just got so involved with the idea of like these secret messages. Mm -hmm. Not to the point where I'm thinking, like, oh, there's like, you know, that kind of thing. But I found myself looking on Reddit and like watching people interact with each other, like sharing these clues that they're finding Mm -hmm. and trying to find meaning in it, not because they believe it. But because it's become a game for them now, right? But it's some way for this movie to carry on. Like this is the type of film that I feel like a lot of people you watch it once you're done. Like you're you don't really need to watch it anymore because it might have not you might not have liked it. But it's like this way to keep people. It's a fun. It's a fun
1: interactivity that can breathe life into it and keep it alive. That that is that is neat, even if it's ultimately fruitless. But you know it's it's fun. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so I've got a few other cool like little nod things in the film I I'll still these out at the end here uh-huh. uh, the songwriter's mansion was used as a shooting location in Neon Demon
1: no you know I still have not seen Neon Demon it's really
0: good I need to, I watch, it. I need to watch it uh, Sam's weird little like game video game ringtone that he has is a Commodore 64 game The Last Ninja cool 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 um, and this was just like a random thing a lot of people have noticed there's a weird theme of groups of three girls uh-huh. so Sarah has two roommates there's three daughters in the seventh family there's the three brides in the band the balloon girl and the two shooting star members are roommates mm-hmm. there are three girls that bark at Sam when he stumbles into the ladies room mm-hmm. there's three girls in miniskirts that discuss who the dog killer is with Sam and then Sam watches How to Marry a Millionaire with Sarah which has three female leads Yeah. so what's that mean? No, no, no one knows. <laughs> it's just a curious synchronicity. Ah.
2: So, Jason, go ahead.
0: No. What do no. you think of that? I'm film? not going first. Let's make it a uh, like a compliment sandwich. So, one of us will go first, and then we'll put Jason in the middle. I one. have
1: compliments. Okay, I have compliments. Okay. The, the, the film craft is top notch, mm-hmm. it is directed so well. It is shot so well. It looks like like old Panaflex cameras or something. I'm not sure what they used. Right. It's truly a
0: love letter to old Hollywood. And oh, th- yeah. And I think what's fascinating about it is at the same time, a lot of people said this was like not critical enough of Hollywood, and I think that they're wrong. It's, you have to, it's not going to
1: hit you over the head. It's not as heavy-handed as mm. the amusement park
0: or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it celebrates old Hollywood while at the same time criticizing a lot of the right. BS that's gone so on it's there. it's talking about these old rich men
1: who had to bring all these women with them and yeah, And I that mean, was a
0: juxtaposition I saw. It's like Sam objectifies them in this personal way of sexual gratification. And then when you find out what this cult's doing, they're also objectifying the women. But they're just treating them as like a treasure to go in their palace. That's what all cults do. They all mm-hmm. just, Yeah. Anyway. um,
1: Yeah. It's made very well. Gorgeous movie. Well acted. The music's amazing. But... At the end of the day, I just don't think I liked it that much. I wasn't... I mean, I, I get that there's, you know, layers to this movie. I get there's subtext. There's a lot of things you can read into it. I get it. But I just... At the end of the day, it was just like The Big Lebowski meets Mulholland Drive or something like that. There's a lot me. of people that put you those know, yeah. labels
0: on it. And... I think it wears its inspirations
1: on its sleeve. It does. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a tremendous letdown for me personally after it follows which I thought was one of the best horror films of that last decade. Um, I mean, I would say watch it if you hadn't seen it just for the film craft alone. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it just did not work for me. Like, I can't... uh, First of all, I believe the thesis of the movie is don't look for meaning. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to start looking for meaning. Right. You know, And I don't believe that a movie it reminds me a bit of donnie darko which i know you like dustin oh, i fucking love it but darko. i really don't like that movie mm, i don't
0: either i, I think don't. there's a correlation that if you did love donnie darko you're guaranteed to love probably this movie. but i think
1: part of the thing with donnie darko was that people were like oh but the real meaning is this and it makes everything better and it's like I shouldn't have to do homework to make a movie good.
0: I always do homework. I know
1: you do. You're an overachiever. You're a part of that kid who was always asking for homework. Why don't do we have and... homework? Shut the
3: fuck up, Dustin. The... Shut the fuck up.
1: Now, I believe in research, obviously. Hmm. I mean, I've researched for a lot of the movies we've done. I think that that could be very gratifying and add more nuance and layers to the movie. But I don't think that in and of itself that makes a movie any better. No, I agree with
2: you. Okay. Um
1: so, at the end of
2: the day, urgh, I would have to give this two and a half stars.
3: Okay. okay. fair. Cool. Yeah.
2: This movie is divisive.
0: Yeah. It's very I mean, like, that's the first thing you'll see if you start looking into it online. Yeah. I mean, I will I will be in line for his
1: next movie, you know. Oh, dude's an incredible filmmaker, yeah. yes. But uh, this one just didn't work for me. Okay. How about uh, you, Michael?
2: I loved it. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's a five-star movie for me. hmm But I'm definitely gonna go probably four and a half. Wow. Just because I had so much fun watching it. Okay. It just really to me I mean, you know I love movies about mental illness, but (laughs) like (laughs) it's it's one of those things like where I do have a mental illness, it's one of those safe ways to watch it and cope with it. You know, kinda like I get that. And that's one of the powerful things about film. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's I just had so much fun watching it. I think that Andrew Garfield was great in it. He was pretty if good. If he was not as even as shitty as a person as he is in the movie, like if he wasn't as chari- charismatic as he was in the film, you couldn't it wouldn't have played.
0: That's what makes it work, I think. Because if that would have
2: been somebody else not quite as likable, even mm-hmm. though you hate him, it's mm-hmm. still Andrew Garfield and you're like he's still kind of fun like <laughs> you want to
0: love him and then you
2: do yeah. but he just keeps making bad decisions over and over and over and you're like god damn it man just
0: get your shit together dude please please don't do this and but, then he does yeah so
2: i think that if you like these kind of mind fuck movies ones that may not fully make sense i'd definitely watch this honestly i'd watch it no matter what i think you should watch it cuz you might see something in it that you like otherwise what the fuck am I even talking about?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. Four and a half stars. <laughs> fuck it. Go. And, and I'll toss in before I go over my thoughts. It is streaming on Amazon Prime. So. Uh huh. Sure is. You got that. You can easily check it out. No yep. problem. No problem. That's how I watched it. Mm-hmm. So. It looked, it looked good. That's a presentation. Didn't have to pay extra for it. I've got the blue. I, I, I watched it on Amazon Prime first and then ran out and immediately bought it. Oh. Uh, so this is maybe much. my third or fourth time re watching it. And I love it. I love it every time I. Feel like I love it more each time I watch it. Now, why do you love it so much? Pretty much everything that Michael said, you can mm-hmm. just double again for me. I love these weird, trippy, surreal kind of mindfuck movies. I think it's so Lynchian. It doesn't. It's not the same level as Lynch, but it's really shooting for that. And I love that, and I appreciate that a lot. I like how neo-noir it is. I love all the classic Hollywood stuff that's going on. I the you know all the acting. Every single person in it is firing on all cylinders. The direction, the visuals, the music. It's like the complete package of everything I love.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: So, okay. very hard five stars. All right. For me. Five stars from those I won't uh, belabor it with more because I've kind of praised it all throughout. So. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> so I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting movie. I'll give you that. For next week, we have something kind of cool. Right. We're going to mix it up a little bit. From Ooh. the start, we have said that we want people to write in and recommend us movies to watch. And we will mix that in at some point. We still want more please send us more yes contact us facebook twitter instagram email give us weird shit anywhere everywhere <laughs> uh but we do have a few now so what we're going to start doing we kind of go in a round with our choices it's usually you know you michael jason then myself then we start again so now as we go through this rotation when we get to the end of what you would call like a round of going through us if we have any of these suggested films we're going to grab one at random Cover that. Cover something that people have said, like, hey, I want you guys to check this out. Tell us what you think. Yeah. And we're gonna cover it. Cool. Yes. So what
2: so what is
1: it? Somebody recommended it. Adrian that. has recommended that we watch Devil's Pass. Cool. Mm-hmm. Which that's actually a movie I have seen, but I don't think either of you have. No, uh, I have
0: not. I'm curious to get into it. Mm, Rennie Harlan film,
1: uh, Love Rennie Harlan. What year is that from?
0: It's not that old.
1: It's uh, found footage, right? It is found footage. Um, if any of you are familiar with the, how would you pronounce
0: it? Diet pass. Uh, I'll have to look into that before we even do the episode. Yeah.
1: It's from, you know, this movie from 2013 and, uh, I think I'm interested to see what you guys are going to say about it. All right. And yeah. hopefully everyone so out there deck. will like to listen to us talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Adrian will be like, I wish you guys hadn't have. Yeah, <laughs> oh man. I used to love this movie. I hate it now. <laughs>
2: All right, well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, write us, um, hit us up on all the social media outlets, give us your suggestions, comments, criticisms, all that shit. All right, it's been fun. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Take care.